Welcome to A Million Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Amelia Baptist Church Roundtables. Happy that you're with us. Hopefully you are either listening on Spotify or Apple Music or Google Podcasts, but we also have this up on our Amelia Baptist Church um, YouTube channel, so please share with your friends. We would love to uh, talk with you or answer any questions you have about uh, the scriptures. Uh, This is what we're dealing with today, dealing with difficult texts in the Bible. With us is Pastor Neil Helton, many of you know who that is and he does not need an introduction um but uh glad you're here with us neil and we are discussing something that has been on our hearts for a while um just kind of and then really brought itself to light in our last sermon this past sunday when we went over first peter 3 18 through 22 but just the idea of what it's like not just from a pastoral point of view but from a congregant point of view where they're listening to hard texts And maybe what they're looking for in a pastor who's talking about these hard texts or wanting to do their best faithfully to bring them about in Scripture. Um, So your perspective here is an interesting one. And I heard that you were studying up on F.F. Bruce in the meantime. Is that that correct? (laughs) I've been studying with F.F. Bruce for several decades. In fact, uh, the book back here, Hard Sayings of Jesus, I've actually um, did a series probably several decades ago, just on the hard sayings of Jesus. And it's uh, expository uh, explanations of certain things that Jesus said that are just tough. You know, like, unless you eat my flesh, you cannot follow me. So not the um, best visitor passage. (laughs) Well, you know what? I think the whole Bible is made to God reveal himself. It's interesting, too. I remember someone coming in and saying, this is how important it is to try to get like a good covering on a lot of the key words and key texts in the first few weeks when someone visits. Because let's say they've never visited a church before, maybe have no idea about religion. Because I think that's still relatively possible in the United States. We have someone who's just completely unfamiliar with, with the phrases and the key words. And you have someone coming in and we're all like, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we're just, <laughs> and everyone gets really passionate about blood. And we're just like, yeah, we're a church about the blood and no one knows what that means, you know? And so I think it's not, it's not just hard text in terms of interpretation, but really how we make it all fit. I think it's important for us to see the Bible work as one big narrative. Really? And that's the reason we do book studies most of the time. Right. Um, because it may not even be just a textual exegetical problem. Yeah. It may be a social issue that's addressed mm-hmm. or something's happened in your congregation or something's happened in your a family in your church. And then here you are the next verse, mm-hmm. the next Sunday, you're actually having to address it. And you almost want to start saying, uh, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, uh, I know this happened to you last week, but I'm not really, you're not the reason I'm preaching See, this. that's happened <laughs> the last five weeks or so. So First Peter is all about suffering. That's right. And we knew picking this book that it would unite a lot of people and hopefully in just a very cool spiritual way because we're all gone through these things or we're all going through these things. And it could, there has not been a Sunday that's gone past in the last four or five weeks where someone hasn't told me, were you speaking directly to me, and they, they mention all the times I looked at them, they're like, did you look at me when you said that and knew that? And it's like, no, this is just being faithful to the text, and then also, and we'll get into this in a little bit, yeah. pastorally understanding the heart of your people and how much that comes to play when you're thinking of application, and you're like, what do, what do my, what does my church need to hear 
but am I being faithful to the text? Right. Well, it's been my experience through the years that, um, you know, you've heard that the congregation takes on the personality or the behavior or the character of the pastor, whatever. I, I don't know how true that is, but I think that there's some truth to it. And if, if the pulpit, um, is expository in its, uh, delivery and the pastor has done his exe- uh, exegetical studies, mm-hmm. then we can not only communicate with the congregation, what does the text mean, but over a period of decades, which we have seen here, it actually draws people who are absolutely hungry to know what does the Bible say. And they're getting really frustrated by going to places where there's just kind of the tickling the itching ears, so yeah. to speak, you know, and really just coming away with entertainment or they're coming away with uh, a man's idea yeah. about what should be said. So um, sort of a it, fortune cookie generality, like anything that makes you feel good at that time. And, and I think if you're following Christ, you can feel good about the hard texts. And I think that points back to what we believe the Bible does. The Bible is a part of this mission. The Bible is to grow us in Christ Jesus, and we have to be faithful to it. But you were looking at John Piper and sort of F.F. Bruce and Hard Sayings of Christ, and you sort of made us, made us think about our last sermon. So the First Peter three eighteen through 22, we're all, we have a huge difficulty where we have a reference of spirits in prison. This is what people, uh, what Peter had said happened between Jesus's crucifixion and his resurrection. So right. like we're pretty firm on what happened on Friday. We're pretty firm what happened on Sunday morning. It's uncontested in the Christian faith. All scholars, biblical, Greek and Hebrew would agree. But where we're, where we're like at odds a bit and not in a violent way, but where there has just been tons of room for discussion. We mentioned on Sunday that R.C. Sproul is on one side of this and John MacArthur's on the other and Piper's on this side and Wayne Grudem's on the other, you know, and this can go back and forth Yeah, but all you day. didn't mention that Jesus is right. on my side. Yes, I was And I'm preaching the only thing yeah. that I believe Jesus would want I to I forgot to say at the beginning that I'm right <laughs> and all of these incredibly intelligent men are dead wrong. Uh, but well, the point was a spirits in prison text. Yes, that's right. Uh, and then if, who is Jesus speaking to? Did Jesus go down during this time? And was he giving people a second chance? Is this purgatory related? Um, is, is this uh, when he says spirits, or is that souls he's talking to? Or is that fallen angels he's talking to? If it's fallen angels, were, was it the, uh, the, the nebulum? Uh, Nephilim. Nephilim. Nephilim happening at the time of Noah's contemporary, like just before Genesis 6. Or, you know, it goes farther. There are categories and subcategories and then sub subcategories. Well, one reason I wanted us to address this is that, um, number one, you didn't get up there and say, this is it. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that you didn't give us the um, other. You gave us the other ideas. You gave us three very important perspectives. The biggest interpretations, yeah. And um, and some sermons are this is just the way that it is, and I really appreciated that. And the other part of that is that you didn't get lost in the weeds. Right. So you did your homework in a technical sense, and you knew some of the the you know the 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 pastors past and present and their positions. But then you just gave a great, I think, clear explanation mm-hmm. of the scriptures in such a way 
that it had a profound effect in the worship service. I have been in this church for over 30 years, and I don't remember uh, the effect of the Holy Spirit so uh, powerfully than last week. And it was on what some people would say, this scripture contains some of the most difficult exegetical problems in the New Testament and God used you in a great way. And I think that that's why I wanted to talk about this, that these hard passages are not something for us to, uh, from which to run, but to actually go before the Lord and say, this is a part of your word. Christianity is founded upon the living word and the written word. Mm-hmm. And in, when we talk about a written word, that means that God put it in the Bible there for a reason to glorify him and to edify the saints and to bring people to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I believe all that took place this past Sunday. Well, praise God for that. And I think what we want to do with the remainder of our podcast today is sort of tell people what we walk through when we deal with difficult texts in the Bible using a few key words. And we looked at John Piper uh, and his approach uh, as such a masterful way to get to the scripture. What I always appreciate about John Piper is that he preaches with fervor and passion the main things, the the uncontestable things of Scripture, and he sticks with them. But then he gives tons of grace when he preaches texts like this, and, and he doesn't kind of double down, but he also knows that he's been gifted with the ability to exegete the Scriptures. Well, you know, he's, tons of questions are asked when he looks at a Scripture. He has YouTube videos of him parsing the scriptures that are incredibly helpful. I'd recommend those walking through the verses of New Testament letters and saying, what did he mean here? Well, we have to go back and see what's before therefore to really see what he's saying here and walks you through the scriptures that way. But there are some things you've said and you believe that we should feel and commit ourselves to as we seek the true meaning of the scriptures and that this goes for both pastors and people in their devotions um, and, and people in their like walk in life. Any Christian. Yeah, I was really grateful to, uh, because I, I really did some research on this to see who is talking about this. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's not that like John Piper's my go-to guy, although he okay. is certainly one of the guys that I go to. We respect him. But he's one of the, He's the only one that addressed hard texts and what does that imply He's had a in the preacher? Doing that. He's been very it's shown a lot of fidelity in not skipping the passages. And I think people know that about Piper. Yeah, um, that's right. But you said there's several things, one being, like you've said already, desperation. Uh, what does that mean? Do you remember when you first started preaching how desperate you were? Desperate to have it be over. No. <laughs> desperate to have no some Sunday kind is of logic come from my mouth would have been the great. inevitable Sunday <laughs> is always coming. Sunday was more looming at the beginning, yeah. and uh, when we first started, we we had so little knowledge about the scriptures or even how to preach that <laughs> I mean, I would get physically ill sure. toward Saturday, not because I hadn't studied. But because of my lack of experience and lack of knowledge, even with degrees, that I just, I was sick and I just had to fall on my face and I was desperate mm-hmm. for God to give me a word. And so this is one of the words that Piper uses and that the difficult texts um, should cause us to be so desperate before God 
that we would rely upon him and be dependent upon him just like when we first started or I hope that we were when we first started. So here I've been in ministry for like 50 years and it really could be quite easy to get relaxed and say, you know, I really I don't need to depend on God anymore. I mean, I've got so much experience and so much education. I know my congregation so well that this is just going to be easy peasy. I hope it never gets that way. I agree. I think that there is not a prescription of anxiety. That's right. But desperation in the right thing, which is just more faith and trust. And I don't think that people need to mysticize that either, because some people are obviously going to retort with, well, the word of God is unchanging, you know, like it only says the same thing. But when we clarify what the word of God means, you're right. There is one intent and one reason for everything in that book when it was written. But when it comes to two things, one, an explanation of the text, there are going to be things we very much know and things that we weren't meant to really know for sure in the living word of God. I was saying that to the young adults the other night. If the Bible could be perfectly explained cover to cover by humans, I wouldn't trust it to be the word of God. So we need to get real with some level of mysterion that Paul even recognizes and say there are going to be texts we don't fully get. Let's be honest in the interpretations and then give it your best, but do it with modesty and humility. That's one thing. So the other thing when you're looking at a text like this is to say, you want me to feel desperation, not anxiety. And what you really want me to be desperate for is your word to your people that you have given me the shepherding role over. This isn't a word for the nation as much as it is. How is this going to hit my church and what needs to be emphasized from a sea of application, from illustrations and explanations, right? Not changing the interpretation, not being fluid with what the scripture meant to say, being loyal and faithful and showing fidelity to that. But at the end of the day, I know what my people are going through because I've spent the week with my people and I know them and this is what they need to hear. Right. And and just... A moment ago when you said your word and your people, that's a prayer. Right. You know, you Get didn't me mean me. Yeah. You meant God. And right. that takes us to the second exactly. uh, uh, word that I want us to look at. And that is not only should we be desperate, but that desperation should lead us to supplication. Right. Which is praying to God for help uh, directly, a vertical relationship, helping your horizontal relationships in terms of, how, of a pastor. Um, this follows desperation because if you feel dependent on God, to help uh, you see the meaning of the text, then you will, if, if you believe fully, he's the reason why you can see the meaning of the text, then you're going to go to him. And, and so that's why we pray in that way too. When you have the ACTS, you know, prayer walkthrough for new believers, you're like, it always ends in supplication because if you truly believe that he has the power for all this other stuff, right? you're going to go to him before you go to anybody else. You're often saying that too. It's like, who are we going to? Who are we running to? That's who we're worshiping. Uh, and you know, the interesting thing is that, uh, like you and I for the last year and a half, two, we've taken turns um, preaching from the pulpit. And yet you and I are preparing our sermon two weeks ahead or three weeks ahead mm-hmm. in our minds. We, we may not be doing every hour the exegetical work, but it is on our minds. And when I've been in prayer um, and asking God, I said, Lord, this just is not coming together. This, I haven't got a handle on this. 
And then somewhere along the line, even in the everyday, whether it's mowing the grass or, or, or going to the grocery store, all of a sudden, the, you know, the Ford light bulb kind of comes on. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that it's just a God thing. And in 40 years, have you ever had it to where it's Saturday night and I really don't know where I'm going with this text <laughs> on Sunday morning? Well, someone will always ask, well, are you ready? And I'll tell people I'm not ready until I'm up in the pulpit. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, God is always continuing to speak to me. I hope that I know the text well enough that I may not need to study something else, Mm -hmm. but I'm being sensitive to what does the Lord actually want my congregation to, to, to hear. How's the Holy Spirit moving me here? What was it leading me to see that my congregation needs that level of discernment? It's priceless. And so we, and so we cry out to God. That's that supplication. Yeah. Psalm 25, five, lead me in thy truth and teach me. It's not just a prayer for, the congregants open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Teach me your statutes. Right, Psalm, 1, 1, Psalm 119, 18. And, and you know, the reason that that's important, that desperation and that supplication is I re, I'm, I've never gotten over what James says. Mm-hmm. Do not seek to be teachers for you shall receive the, the greater condemnation. Yeah. Stern warning. And, and then what Paul David Tripp had written, dangerous calling around yes was that warning of james uh if you're not approaching the pulpit with some level of modesty and humility get out of the pulpit Um, so supplication leads us to what you've said uh what you've called deliberation deliberation um paul told timothy think over what i say for the lord will grant you understanding in everything or study to show thyself approved unto god yeah so you know, it's it's one thing to say, okay, I'm desperate for God and I'm crying out for God to, to give me an understanding. But it it's not like either you study or you pray. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember <laughs> I went to a church when I was in college and uh, the idea was, um, you know, the Lord will teach you what to say in the pulpit. And they would quote that scripture in that hour. I will tell you what to say. And, uh, and I used to think, you know, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, although I do want to be open to the Holy Spirit. And then I read the context of that. And the context of that is when you are being persecuted and they're getting ready to kill you. <laughs> and, and I started thinking, okay, if I were to apply that scripture, I cannot apply it to the pulpit. Right. We're, yeah. in, we're in a bit more. He gave you two ears to listen, one ear to speak, and then let everything you say have like this edification profundity. It's not saying get up there and ad lib and improv the word of God for 30 minutes and call it holy. So I think there's there's a level of deliberation about thinking hard and preparing. I don't think we shortchange that. We've read guys like Stott in here and they all have limits on time and things of that nature. But they also have hours and hours and hours they pour into making sure that these texts that they deliver on Sunday are biblical. God faithful. gave us, you know, a mind. And uh, yes, we have a fallen nature, but we are to, uh, you know, the way Paul talks about it, that we want the Holy Spirit to transform us. We're not to be conformed to this world, but, but the, by the transforming of our minds mm-hmm. and our hearts and things of that nature so that we can think the thoughts of God. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was going to say, I think the congregation, I think any Christian that goes to church 
and they're preparing for the sermon that week. I think being in that text the week before is great. I think it's, I, I would advise it, study it, be about it and give you, get your own take on how many different interpretations are there and, and be able to talk to your pastor afterwards. Your, your pastor and your preachers there should want those conversations to occur as we're all always wanting to know more about the Bible. But we have one uh, Sunday school class here where their Sunday school curriculum, the hour before they come to the worship service is to go over the text for that day. And uh, we have Brian who said to me the other day, he goes, I was teaching that class and we're going all over these things. And he goes, we get to the service and you hit something that we didn't even discuss. And he just it reminds me of the deep well of scripture. Like we're deliberating, we're over these texts and we're not even getting to the meat that you're providing from yeah. this. And so some of it's directional, but it's not like it's saying the wrong thing or the different thing than someone else. It's not like it's saying seven or eight things, the one text. It's putting you in different directions for application. It's saying the one thing and it has authorial intent and it has genre and it has all those other things we learned that scripture has in its original language and all of that. But when they take those scriptures, based on what they're going through, it can mean something different to them, and they can run with that mm -hmm. direction of intent. So I think deliberation is key, but not just for pastors. I think really encourage your churches to go over the text. No, that's true. Uh, going back to the one of the beginning things that Piper says, it's a Christianity um, relies on a book. Right. A book needs to be read. In order to read, you need to be literate. Yeah. In order to, uh, for someone to be literate, they have to be taught. And that leads us to the last point. And I think even in, not just for us preparing for a hard text, but our real calling as pastors is to uh, use the secular word education. But uh, in, uh, within ecclesiastical circles, um, it's specific education, it's biblical education, it's theological and doctrinal education, it's practical education. All those things are on our shoulders. If you remember in Acts 6, uh, even though the Grecian widows were being neglected and they, uh, the apostles said, you know, that is a serious thing. It needs to be done, but it needs to be done by some men who are equipped to do it, but we've got to stay in God's word and we've got to stay in prayer because we need to educate mm -hmm. our people. We need to be able to disciple our people. Yeah, and they've had these surveys come back that have said, yes, yeah, some of these families with the best church attendance, you know, all throughout these denominations, and they go over these specific denominations, Baptist being one, you know, of the, of the highest, saying, they're coming back on these surveys and these tests and you know, these deliberate tests to figure out how much they know about doctrines and the faith. Lifelong Christians, professed Christians, have always been in church, don't know, nine out of ten of these doctrines. So there's an education factor missing. And I think that that is a lot of what we're talking about here, about wanting to walk people through the text. Because if they're listening, they'll get that education factor. Well, they will. And also, by us adopting the family equipping model, mm -hmm. um, even though we have uh, ministries for preschool and children and Youth students, and I mean, you can name uh, a lot of different demographic areas in which we have uh, ministries and Bible studies. The emphasis here is on the parental responsibility to disciple their kids. Because if all we're doing is a fairly good job for one hour in Sunday school and one hour in the pulpit, mm -hmm. even our people hearing 
God's word are not going to be equipped. And that's the reason education is important, that we train the fathers and the mothers so that they then can train their children the 168 hours Mm -hmm. that they have them through the week. Um, That brings us to uh, 2 Timothy 2.2, and that is, What you have heard from me before many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. we got four generations there. we got Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and others. Right. And what we have there is a picture that our generation, my generation, I'm older than you are. So... I am responsible to teach and train you and your demographic Mm -hmm. so that you then can train the next generation. Right. That is how we we finish well in the ministry is that it's not enough for me to just be an expositor of scripture. I need to teach others and to encourage others how to rightly divide the word of God. And let that be across the congregation, yeah. not just within the staff. Yeah, and then as you educate and as you start making disciples in your church, those disciples will make disciples. And so it's not just this pastoral responsibility to make disciples or be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, but we've all been tasked uh, with that as the main mission of God. And so we just want everybody to remember that uh, God has revealed himself in the living word, that we believe that the Bible is what the Bible says it is, that it is Jesus and his written word, the Bible with all its difficult texts, should not be ignored, that we should walk through these with confidence, even when we don't know exactly what they mean. Do your best. I'm a big believer not just in commentary, but commentaries. Be familiar with the men who have slaved hours and hours and years and years of their lives to go through these, and then pray for the Holy Spirit, who is our ultimate teacher, uh, to lead us to dependence on him. And I think this will help us, and I love how you've worded these uh, steps and how you've kind of guided us to a point again, where this isn't just for pastors to figure out the best way to preach, although that will be helpful and study. But this is for people to know that you have a responsibility to meet the pastor where he is on Sunday morning, too. He just spent the whole week going over that text. Have you even even read it? The congregation needs to be preparing their own hearts and their minds before they sit down. Absolutely. And not only that, but showering brothers and sisters in Christ in that church, uh, disciple makers, um, the elders and your preaching pastor in complete prayer. And so hopefully that's what we see uh, and that this can happen no matter what season is among us and what, what we're sort of amidst and what we're, what's going on outside. This is about being about the word as long as we're living. Well, God has given us the written word to understand that points to the living word, which is Jesus Christ. But again, what prompted this mm-hmm. uh, in my heart was experience of worship last week. Yeah. Um, it was a difficult task. God was exalted and he was glorified, but he not only gave you insight into the meaning of the scripture, but he empowered you in a way that uh, I think if you look back at it, you'll probably even uh, there's been times that I've been surprised mm. of what God did in my heart during a, uh, a sermon. Right. So I don't know about you, but um, uh, the scripture was clear. The power of the Holy Spirit was there is present. And all I can say is just thank you for your faithfulness because God was truly honored. Man, it's just thank you, Pastor, for that. And the thank you for the congregation that we have here at ABC that allows me to really go up there knowing that they have a grace 
filled, you have a grace filled congregation or we have a grace filled congregation who just wants the meat. Bring us the word, bring us the word is really the cry of our people. And so that is just in and of itself such a blessing. And I know we talk about that all the time. We could fill another hour with how blessed we feel to be at ABC. Uh, but that, that is so a, true. That is the truth. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Pastor, for being thank here. You, Adam. Um, everybody will try to get these notes up as well. But thank you so much for tuning in. We hope to see you next time on the Amelia Baptist Roundtables. God bless.